the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thoughts control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening, and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am Headmaster and host Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280 The Patriot. I'm joined in studio once again by our wonderful producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Nice to see you again on this Saturday night. Yes, How wonderful to see you too, Mark. Yes. And we're coming out of the deep freeze. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. How nice it is, Yes, right? it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a warming trend here. Mm-hmm. Well, every 10 years, the state of Minnesota updates its academic standards which establish what students are expected to know and be able to do in a given subject. But did you know the standards are being drafted by demographic special interest groups and that lawmakers no longer have a hands-on role in the formation of the standards? Very disturbing. In fact, our guest this evening says that the new standards focus primarily on cultivating politically correct attitudes and commitments rather than preparing students to take on the duties of citizenship by ensuring They understand the chronological story of the key events, actors, and ideas that shape democracy and the larger world. Yeah. Well, joining us by telephone tonight to discuss the first draft of the new education standards in Minnesota is Catherine Kirsten. Catherine is a writer and an attorney, a senior policy fellow and founding director at the Center of the American Experiment. Sorry about that. Having also served as its chair from 1996 to 98. Catherine has also served as a Metro columnist for the Star Tribune from 2005 to 2008, and before that was an opinion columnist for the paper for 17 years. She's a regular contributor on this show, and Catherine, as always, it's an honor to have you join us again tonight on Education Nation. Thank you. Okay. Well, before we discuss the most recent proposed standards, let's discuss the first statewide social studies standards approved by the legislature in 2004. How would you describe the first set of standards approach to American history, and what was their primary purpose back then? Well, uh, the the primary purpose uh, was to prepare students to take on the duties of citizenship okay. uh, to make by making sure that they understand uh, the story, the chronological story of the most important events and actors, ideas, uh, outcomes that that shaped our democracy and the larger world. And I'll, I'll quote here from, uh, from words right there in the 2004 standards preamble. Uh, primary purpose is to ensure that students, quote, gain the knowledge and skills necessary to protect and maintain freedom in a nation built by individuals united in an ongoing quest for liberty, freedom, 
justice and opportunity. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? And that was just 20 years ago. Not even quite, not even quite 20 years ago. It's hard to believe the kind of uh, shift that we've, that we've seen over those few years. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And you know, what an honorable goal that was back in 2004 and uh, how, Let let me just say too, Rebecca, that that goal was shared at the time by the American Federation of Teachers. They really? had a document called um, Education for Democracy. It was signed by Bill Clinton. It was signed by Ted Kennedy. It was signed by the head of the NAACP, the two teachers unions. Wow. So, yeah, we've seen, oh, <laughs> we've seen that, a major change. That is a catastrophic shift. Right. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, when I, I don't want to get off on the political realm here too far, but you said that that was endorsed by Bill Clinton. And think about that. You know, he was a Democrat. And um, granted, I think he was considered a little bit more of a moderate. But look at how far the Democratic Party has shifted, that they are so in support of these drastic changes um, that really make our educational system less focused on educating citizens and more focused on educating for I guess their their viewpoints mm-hmm. and creating a, a bunch of activists is basically what it seems. Yeah, look that at the agreement that was there by so many different groups and politicians, and I'm sure that garnered a lot of support too, even from those that would identify with being conservatives, right? And put yep, a value on course. education. Yeah, yeah, yep, that's right. yeah. Well, you've written, Catherine, that educrats from the Minnesota Department of Education acknowledged that the proposed standards mark a shift in approach to standards in social studies learning. What does the Department of Education in the state what do they state as the purpose of social studies, and what is the ideology that powers the new draft standards? Right. Well, they like to talk about inclusivity, cultural affirmation, that kind of thing, uh, kind of window dressing. Uh, but uh, with their description of the purpose of social studies is to, quote, reading again from the 2020 draft standards, Uh, preparing students to, quote, address powerful social, cultural, and political inequities by examining their identities, that is, what racial group, et cetera, they're from, becoming, quote, conscious and critical of their own biases and those of the larger society, and this is my favorite, examining various inequities, quote, connections to other axes of stratification, including gender, race, class, sexuality, and legal status. And this stuff starts in kindergarten. Yeah. You know, and, and the ideology behind it, uh, it yeah. is, is um, critical race theory or racial identity politics, mm-hmm. which, which is the, the woke agenda that we're all familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just taking this nation by storm. You know, I think that even a year ago, Catherine, I don't think we would have seen these type of um, standards drafted, but with the onset of George Floyd and all the racial riots that took place across the nation throughout the summer and into the fall, and then all that has transpired with the election, um, it seems that they are kind of opportunistic and thinking that this Correct. is the right time. And because I was actually just well, thinking, right, exactly right. I was just thinking about something, Catherine. You said that they're every two, ten years that they redo the standards, mm-hmm. but they started in two thousand four. So I'm assuming they must have done some updating in 2014. Does that mean they're trying to preempt and and try to get a head start and try to get these things through before 2024? Is that their no, goal? No, no, uh, it, it The the standards drafting uh, started around uh, 
uh, the year 2000. This was all in connection with the George Bush's No Child Left Behind, right. the major okay. movement across the nation mm-hmm. to adopt state standards. Mm-hmm. So what they did, you remember the, the old profile of work. Yes, yes, yep, in school to work. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it took quite a long while for for these actually to be because there was major legislative involvement so they weren't actually adopted officially by the legislature till 2004 but they, they uh, were in the works in, I know, see okay 2000. okay okay that makes a lot more sense to me then yeah. nonetheless they're they're really latching onto the opportunity that's presenting them right or presenting to them right now and really trying to uh, push push their agenda through so Correct. you mentioned that the upside down thought world of racial equity advances in the name of justice and harmony. But mm-hmm. why why is it, though, then that its fundamental premise deeply divides? Well, because of the, the way that they understand history, the way they understand what it means to be a human being. So uh, racial identity politics has as its core tenet that uh, life and history, everything about human beings is explained uh, in terms of, of a, a kind of zero-sum game power struggle mm-hmm. between groups. This, mm-hmm. this is, again, the old cultural Marxist idea of um, oppressors and victims, or mm-hmm. uh, in you know, the old days, the, um, uh, the, the uh, proletariat. Uh, and the bourgeois. Bourgeoisie. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, of course, this this has all been updated, but life is a struggle. So they don't believe in history. They don't believe in truth the way that we do. They believe that everything is relative, that there are only narratives that are created by racial and, and other groups. And they start teaching this to kids in these standards in you know early, early elementary grades. I think mm-hmm. it's first or second graders that learn about so-called absent narratives. Mm-hmm. Can you believe it? Mm-hmm. Where who was left out? You know, but look at the, the wow. overarching principles, but whose, quote, voice wasn't heard. That's what the whole story is for them. Wow. Wow. And again, without going into too much detail, this also ties very much into the 1619 Project and oh, yes. creating a narrative that um, would replace our our actual founding. And uh, again, that's being spread throughout the nation very quickly as well. And I'm sure I would I wouldn't be surprised if they would adopt as curriculum the 1619 Project curriculum here in the state of Minnesota if these standards really do go through. Well, that, that's, that's an interesting point, because teachers will be expected to teach this stuff. Right. They'll have to look somewhere, where they look for these lessons. Well, right. groups like Black Lives Matter, yeah. uh, 1619 Project, offer all this stuff free online. Yeah. It's already all thought out. That, you know. And mm-hmm. so it's easy for teachers, uh, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the point. Yep, yep, that's right. exactly right. And the First Amendment right for these teachers to freely exchange ideas, to freely you yeah. know, uh, give their free speech in the classroom to bring about those exchange of ideas. That's gone now. And we'll touch mm-hmm. on that more yes. next week as well, too, when we talk Definitely, about the pressure yes. uh, that is coming from school districts and superintendents. Uh, you gave some examples or just started to touch on that a little bit, Catherine, uh, in regards to what's being learned at the kindergarten level. But let's just take a few moments to have you speak a little bit to what this would look like for students in, say, the middle schools and the high schools. What kind of things can these students, can these families expect that might be taught in the classroom with these revised standards? 
Well, um, uh, here's just one example. Of course, America is presented as a terrible place. It is a greedy, imperialistic nation that is defined by inequities, etc. Here is uh, one, actually the two different standards. Uh, Students must, and bear in mind, students must master this stuff in order Mm -hmm. to graduate from high school. There aren't any tests, but they are expected to do this. They have to learn that Europeans invented, quote, whiteness, (laughs) and that America's 19th century westward expansion was a product of, quote, whiteness, Christianity, and capitalism. So what they do and again, this starts in the earliest grades. They start priming them uh, for action because that's the purpose of social studies, right? Mm-hmm. It is to prepare kids to do away with inequities, as mm-hmm. they call them. Mm-hmm. So they start teaching them in you know fifth grade about um, uh, about uh, they have to study LGBTQ mm-hmm. uh, activist organizations. As time goes on, they have to. Uh, that they are going to take action themselves. They have to make a plan for action. So it's it's not just hmm, sitting back and looking at this stuff. It is acting on it and embracing mm-hmm. as models um, radical activist groups. And of course, they have no perspective on this, these poor kids, because they never learn about real oppression around the world, uh, like the, the Nazi Holocaust and the Chinese Cultural Revolution and that kind of, they, have, they have no context whatsoever. They're sitting ducks for this propaganda. Mm-hmm. Well, and interesting that they are tying together in that particular standard that you mentioned Christianity and capitalism and and they're the now they're they're the bourgeois it seems like you know when you talk about oppressors versus the oppressed that seems to be the direction that they're trying to go they're trying to take those two um, philosophies and one economic and one um, spiritual and and make them the oppressor and like you say I was just going to say, like you say, there's really nothing new under the sun. This is just, you know, Marxism put in the washer and dryer and came out in a new package. Christianity and capitalism, what they've gone after in every country that's communist or socialist, right? Yeah. No question. No question. And and this is interesting. As an aside, there was only one trained historian, not that that's any guarantee of honesty, but only one on this committee of 44 people. This is a woman who is a a professor at the University of Minnesota of um, basically slave religions, uh, sort of Caribbean and South. And so one of her specialties is what's called obeya, which is something like um, voodoo. It's, it's, um, Hmm. you know, that, that kind of thing. There were no historians of World War II, the Civil War. This is this sort of slave religion. So no surprise. In the one standard of all of these, it has to do with religion. The very first religious group named is animism shamanism, wow. which, of course, is this woman's specialty. Right. Uh, but, you know, this is a bit... <laughs> it's not exactly central to the American story. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that leads me to say, you know, who were the who are the people on this committee um, that drafted the new standards? You've talked about one of the individuals, but a who are they? As forty four people, that's a lot of people. And then who handpicked these people? Was this hand selected by the governor or by the Department of Education here in Minnesota? How, how did that come about? Yeah, and of course, the governor and the Department of Education are, are essentially synonymous yes. here. These are his people. This is his agenda. Mm-hmm. So um, these people were uh, largely activists. 
they were um, selected, uh, so far as we can tell, primarily their their woke, uh, you know, activism and their their membership in uh, in certain special interest groups. And close to twenty percent of the people on this group were uh, Native Americans. They Mm. make up a little more than 1% of Mm. Minnesotans. But, of course, our Lieutenant Governor, Peggy Flanagan, is very much a Native American activist. And that Mm. is so reflected in these standards. It's as if you know, they have omitted uh, World War One, World War Two, the Civil War, largely the Revolutionary War. In in their place, we have just overwhelmed with Native, not only Native American, quote, history, completely romanticized, but with their political agenda. So renaming of landmarks, um, removal of, of traumatic statues, uh, the, the theft and genocide of their land, it goes on and on. I mean, this is it's really jaw-dropping and you know i think about and we're going to talk about this maybe a little bit more next week too but just touch on this it seems like this is not a very transparent process here like um you know you mentioned to me that the reason why some people are even aware of this is because the center of the american experiment figured out um how would one know as a a concerned parent how would one even know that this process was undergoing um, change uh, to the standards, and do they do they have to report this publicly, or or it, can this be completely a silent process? No, it's not completely silent. But if you compare this to 2004, when this was all over the headlines, and uh, you know that that the um, legislature was intimately involved in reviewing and drafting and approving these standards. I mean, this is this is the rulemaking process now, and the mm-hmm. reason is that back when the standards were first adopted in you know uh, 2004, uh, the law said that they had to be revised through rulemaking every 10 years. So the law says that the legislature wouldn't be involved. So they oh. could be if they wanted to, they'd pass a new law. But of course, they they haven't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this was really silent. I mean, yes, they called for people to apply for the committee. and uh, But these standards were released on um, November 30th. November 30th. Really? I, I've seen yes. almost nothing uh, about them in the press. Right. Uh, I just wrote a piece on it, but really I hadn't seen anything in the Star Tribune until then. And there's a, a statutory um, comment period, but if you look at their at their comment form, and you know who knew, mm-hmm. if you if you looked at it, there's no place to uh, that that asks about what you think about the content of the standard. Oh, you're there's kidding! Three things, so it's like balance between um, standards and benchmarks and clarity, nothing about the content. There is one little catch-all category at the end. So our, the center started this Raise Our Standards campaign. We've had over 5,000 Minnesotans register their objections with the department. Mm-hmm. But at their first meeting after the committees, uh, our, our standard, our, these comments were received. Some of the members uh, called. One of them said, we should control-alt-delete these comments. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, another one Unbelievable. Said, this, is, this is white supremacy. This, th- these people feel entitled to rule the rest of us. Can you imagine? No. They didn't apparently realize that 
other people were watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I bet that the media is concerned about getting too involved in this because, once again, that woke, angry mob comes after anybody who tries to speak out against any of these changes, I'm sure. And uh, right. and I think a lot of them, they, I think a lot of the people in the press tend to agree with these changes. So that's part of the problem as well. Well, the sad part about this is is the fact that it's out of the hands of the legislature, so the voice of the people is not being heard. Right. They can't weigh in that's on this right. at all. Mm-hmm. And it's it's bureaucrats, it's 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 politicians right. that can run with their agenda. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, there there will be uh, I'm assuming there will be a hearing uh, short, as it, as the final stage of, um, of of adoption of these rules, uh, but you know, and people will be, it'll take it'll take at least a year for these things to to actually be approved. I would think, but by then, you know, it's pretty much a dumb deal. They, mm-hmm. What happens is the commissioner receives the the final draft for approval, and then it starts to go through the through the rulemaking uh, adoption hmm. process. So yeah, the voice of the people uh, it just is 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 difficult to make it heard. But you know, we're determined to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Um, you know, it's not just social studies too in which we're seeing uh, these new standards developed. Uh, there's English language arts as well, and this. Uh, part of the proposed permanent rules for K through 12 standards there as well would have students reading and speaking and listening and viewing and exchanging ideas, the voices and the perspectives de- of Dakota and Anishinaabe people, uh, as well as other perspectives and identities, and cultures like and unlike their own. Um, other than just for purposes that are wrapped up in administration officials in the putting together of these standards, why do you think there's this? targeted emphasis i mean if we're just talking about a small percentage of the state's population is it strictly again having to show oppressor versus oppressed or do you think there's something else to it well that's a very interesting uh question um the 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 point here as it is with the 1619 project sort of writ large is to delegitimate uh america and in in this case minnesota and its founding, if you can show, if you can convince you know, second graders that at the at the foundation of their state, uh, and in fact, these new draft social studies standards say that kids in fourth grade, when they study states and capitals, have to learn the name of the tribe oh. that those, uh, those wow. capital cities and major cities were on. But uh, the, the so-called decolonization agenda mm-hmm. is really central to the, this radical project, largely because, number one, it delegitimizes at its very foundation the American and the, the Minnesota project. And number two, here, here in Minnesota, you know, there, there are, there, there's, there's land to be gained. Uh, the, the Minnesota Historical Society is completely on board with this, with this agenda. It's totally dominated by activists, Native American, Native Americans at this point. So, you know, giving back certain, um, certain pieces of, of land and, uh, special privileges, uh, renaming Fort Snelling, it's, it's all of a, of a piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lake Calhoun as well too. We yeah. talked about that oh, uh, a couple of years year. ago, or maybe a year right ago. In the heart of the city, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah. that's symbolic, but it's um, 
yeah. Mm-hmm. The day Makaska now, right? Yes. And Fort Snelling, didn't they also want to change the name of Fort Snelling? Some of the landmarks at Fort Snelling. There we I go. Okay. Yep. I remember we covered that. University yeah. of Minnesota as well. Some of the names of the buildings right. there. Ah, yep. Okay. Yep. That's right. That's Kaufman, right. Kaufman yep. Hall. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, earlier you spoke to the shift in approach to the standards, calling it really a revolution, which it really is when you look at the difference between 2004 and what we're talking about here. Can you take some time to go into a little bit more detail, Catherine, about just how much American and world history is actually missing from the standards, the proposed standards? Yes. So so what what has happened is that the 2004 standards were were extremely rich content-wise, and not just with world history uh, and American history, um, but uh, also um, sort of the, the larger ideas at, at the heart of the American project, and very, very thorough when it came to the history of Africa, China, et cetera. So both the 2004 and the 2011 standards were, or that is the current standards, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. organized in terms of chronological ends. So uh, telling the, the story of democracy and how did we get here. So there would be you know, ancient civilizations and the medieval period and the Renaissance and that, that kind of thing. All that has completely disappeared. There, there are no history standards of that kind. In its place, we have these identity formation kinds of standards. There are only five. Uh, so the idea that, um, that, that if the departments only added back uh, things that literally are missing now, I mean, there is nothing on World War II, on, on, the, um, on the, the Normandy invasion, even on who... Who were the parties to World War II, or when did it happen, that kind of thing. The Civil War, the only thing about the Civil War is kind of the lead up to it, uh, a secession and slavery. Hmm. And then, literally, it's only mentioned again uh, in terms of its effect on indigenous people. I am wow. not kidding. Wow. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, that stuff is missing, but... The, the sort of window dressing of the department of putting, you know, some a few references like this back, that will do nothing. Mm-hmm. It will only be presented in terms of absent narratives and uh, oppression and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's no story. Of freedom. No story of the, demo- the the development of democracy and the development yeah, of our republic and freedom and such. Exactly. And How do we get here? You know, who yeah. are we? Where did we come from? Why? Right. What was it like in, in those year zero and, and, and today? And how did that change happen? And where did the light bulb come from? And, you know, right, kind of, right, right. And what about the Holocaust? So that yeah. we don't repeat that mistake, which is, yeah. you know, kind of in process here. And what's absent as well, too, are the advancements that have been made in this country mm-hmm. against injustices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, that's, that's, that's a good, a good point. point, though, Mark. Yes. What they do is, is basically leave out um, everything done to try to overcome the legacy of slavery between, you know, 1954 and uh, and today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the whole great society, all these, all the, the law, the voting rights, all that stuff, because that goes against the narrative. It, when they do talk about, say, the 13th Amendment, they say, but students must connect this to the inequities of today. So mm-hmm. you're never allowed to forget uh, you know, mm-hmm. what, what really uh, mm-hmm. happened from their point of view. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it really does leave out the important contributions of people like Martin Luther King Jr., 
and um, the Frederick Douglass and some of the thoughts that they had. And it's as though that that's just kind of washed over. Yes. Yeah. Completely ignored. Again, it, it is yeah. inconsistent with the narrative. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Catherine, we are already at the end of our time, and it always goes so quickly when we're speaking with you. So thank you so much for joining us here tonight. And for our listeners, if you would like to hear this podcast or any other podcast, you can go to ednationmn.org, ednationmn.org. And then we're going to be having Catherine back again next week yes, by phone and discussion. continue this very important discussion as well. And I really encourage our listeners to dig into this, look up those new social study proposed standards, as well as the proposed English standards. Do your research, do your homework, and start to uh, contact your legislators about this. Thank you again tonight, Mark. Nice to see you again. Thank you, Rebecca. Nice to see you, too. We will see everyone next week. Thank you so much.